Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. My name is Steve Yunus. Welcome to issue number 86, released on February 29th, 2012. I'm joined by my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scott. Hey, what's happening? February 29th, is that that's a, that's a once every four years thing, isn't that it? That is, and it's uh, Superman's birthday. Hey, look at that. Yes, in some circles I have been told that that is his birthday. Yeah, um, supposedly it was something that was uh, put uh, put across, I think, uh, let's just have a look here. Uh, I've written up a thing to go up on the website. Uh, traditionally, it's when we celebrate Superman's birthday. Editor Julie Schwartz declared that Superman's birthday was on February 29th and a number of letter pages during the Silver Age of comic books and uh, supposedly that's how Superman stays looking so young. He only has a birthday every four years. Yes, it was used to uh, <laughs> help explain away his uh, youthful appearance. Yes, yes. So now it's uh, it's something that uh, was mentioned as being February 29th in an actual story in uh, Superman Annual number 11 back in 1985. And Time magazine actually published a story in 1988 uh, celebrating Superman's 50th anniversary, and uh, it was mentioned in that article too. So it's something that's stuck around. It's something that's... Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, an odd thing for, for the February 29th, which I actually believe is also Michael Bailey of the Superman homepage. Uh, it's his birthday on February 29th as well. So happy uh-huh. happy birthday to Michael. Uh, yeah, happy birthday, Michael. I mean, I make sure that I uh, always buy him a gift every four years. <laughs> so generous. It's got to be weird yeah, being having a birthday every four years. Right. I mean, that's a bit weird. So does that mean uh, that that he's like instead of being you know thirty something he's like fourteen or well uh, you know if since you ask he only his wife he might she might say that yeah well there you go <laughs> so you know there are good things uh, to it as well yeah I suppose unfortunately so. he can't drink yet because it hasn't been that's right yeah long. there is that there is. <laughs> anyway let's get into our discussion topics. Uh, the on the movie front of things, uh, Justice League Doom was released yesterday, February twenty eighth, on Blu Ray and DVD. Um, yes. On the uh, the day that this is released, obviously on February 29th. it's been out, um, and uh, I've actually been lucky enough to have uh, seen a uh, advanced copy of the animated film and uh, posted a review on the Superman homepage. Uh, it was quite to my liking. I, you know, was worried there would be a very Batman centric story, being that Batman is the one who's uh, let out his plans and had these plans uh, on the back burner for each of the Justice League members should have any of them go rogue and uh, those plans are stolen and put into place by uh, Vandal Savage and his uh, Legion of Doom and uh, yeah so uh, it's a, it's not a bad film it's uh, quite action orientated and uh, well worth a watch if, uh, if you uh, are interested in the animated films released by Warner Brothers for DC Universe. I've been very happy with most of the releases through the uh, the animated features uh, department since they started back mm-hmm. with uh, Doomsday. Um, that probably, for me, was the most disappointing of sure. the group that I have seen so far. Uh, I still want to see Wonder Woman, and I'm really looking forward to the Elite uh, that's coming out shortly. But uh, Doom I haven't seen yet, uh, Not 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 because... Uh, we actually uh, record this show a few days early, and it's not really the 29th right now. Not because of that in any way, because <laughs> obviously we're talking to you right now. You're hearing us. It's the 29th, people. Oh, uh, oh, but yes. but because I just haven't gotten around to it yet. And, That's you know, right. Money is tight, and you know so. 
but I'm looking forward to it. I did read your review. It was a spoiler free for those of you who are interested for the most part. Uh, and uh, I watched I've watched a lot of the clips. Um, I really like the even though I'm not um, uh, I'm not an un Batman fan, but I mean Batman isn't isn't my favorite. Otherwise, yeah. I'd probably be on the the Batman bulletin right now instead <laughs> of the speeding bulletin. Uh, but I did enjoy the scene of him in the in the, in, his, in his parents' uh, graveyard and, and uh, the little uh, battle between he and uh, and Bane. Oh my! Oh, spoiler! I'm Go sorry. Up. I should have said it before I started. I apologize. But again, it's the 29th, so if you haven't seen it yet, you know, I guess for? it's. You know your issue, right? <laughs> Speaking so, of the elite, of course, we have that coming out, uh, coming up with uh, Newburn reprising his role as yep. Superman. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, I've uh, with the DVD for Superman, sorry for Justice League Doom. They show a bit of a uh, there's a bit of a featurette about Superman versus the Elite, the next animated movie after Justice League Doom, and it's obviously based on the. Um, uh, is it Action Comics 775 or is it Superman 7? No, it's Action Comics 775, yeah, action. which is the story, uh, what's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It just struck me funny when you said that. I, I don't know what's so funny about it. No, exactly. But... And uh, it's one of those stories that was very highly acclaimed by fans and, and critics alike. And um, I'm looking forward to this uh, animated movie because it's based on a single-issue comic book where other Obviously, animated movies are based on a series or a, an arc um, and, you know, can't necessarily fit in everything. But this being a single-issue comic book, um, which this is based on, they should be able to flesh it out nicely. And um, the animation style looks a bit um, rough or a bit different to what we've been used to in recent animated movies, but um, that might actually match the story and uh, and the, the grittiness of it. So... Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you said George Newburn is playing Superman, and we know that Paulie Perrette, I think that's how you pronounce his surname, from NCIS, will be voicing Lois Lane. Yeah, I've always thought she was uh, cute. You know, she's the cute one on that show. Not mm. that I watch the show, but I've seen commercials, and uh, she kind of has the type, the style to to pull off a Lois Lane. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the animation. I, uh, uh, those of you who have checked, we we uh, Steve put up a posting of the DVD cover for the uh, the uh, Superman versus the Elite, and I found myself saying. You know, wow, this looks really cool. If only the animation in the movie was going to be like mm. this, because uh, the the other preview that uh, was put up uh, showed the kind of rough. Um, I don't know. It, it almost looks more juvenile, but I understand it's a stylized thing. Yeah. Um, maybe a little British uh, influenced, and maybe because um, uh, who your 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 lead bad guy there Manchester is he British Black? or, or yeah. Australian or no, what Man is he? Yeah, Manchester Black is British. He wears the yeah. uh, the uh, what do you call it Union Jack on as his shirt. Okay, so maybe I mean maybe they were going for a connection there like that. Mm. It looks it looks a little more. Uh, you know, I watched the Oscars last night, and they always have those uh, best animated short or best animated feature, and they're always movies that 
you've never heard of other than the one or two that uh you know uh kung fu panda or whatever yeah. but then they have these ones that i've never seen and never heard of and sometimes the animation um uh, from specific countries has a has kind of a look to it and i'm kind of getting the impression that maybe that's what they were going for with this elite movie um so you know i'm looking forward to checking it out and and obviously i think this the story has the potential to be great and it could be the best one in the series so far so mm. so uh you know I'm, I'm certain that the animation won't kill it for me uh, but i was a little surprised that that's the way they chose to go yeah so uh we're looking forward to that we don't know an exact release date as yet but um we uh, believe it'll be out uh, before or during by the, the next summer. February 29th for sure <laughs> it, it will be out uh, by summer of uh, the American summer that is um, so uh, it's the next few months I guess so just uh, we'll be see- seeing and hearing more about uh, Superman versus the elite in the next few weeks uh, I know that Warner Home Video do have some previews and uh, some information to release to us uh, because I had taken some snapshots from the uh, DVD featurette from Justice League Doom and was asked not to post them. Uh, I thought I'd check just before I, you know, rather than get my wrist slapped from them. So, uh, and they said we will be releasing some good good stuff. So uh, just hang tight and that will be available soon. But uh, in regards to Man of Steel, uh, it's been a bit quiet. There isn't too much out there at the moment because of the fact, obviously, that they've now stopped uh, filming. They're uh, no longer... Uh, in um, you know the production stage, then moved into the post-production stage, where editing and special effects and and what have you. So uh, we do know that uh, since our last podcast, that a young actor by the name of Cooper Timberline uh, has been uh, or is uh, playing a younger Clark Kent. Uh, That's right. Henry Cavill is playing like a 27-year-old Clark Kent, and Cooper Timberline's playing like a 26-year-old Clark Kent. So he's definitely younger. <laughs> You're in a mood tonight, aren't you? I will a little bit. I'm, I'm feeling a little. Uh, if I, if only I could ex- use the excuse that I had coffee, but I just didn't, so I can't even say that. Uh, and you are over 21, so you can drink. That's true. Like Maybe Michael that's Bailey. what I was doing, but uh, you know, I got a little little flask. Right. Well, Michael Bailey again with the years. It's really unfortunate for yeah. him, but. Uh, oh well. Uh, yeah, but no. Obviously, he's playing much younger than 26 year old Clark Kent. Yeah, I was he's... just being silly he's under 10 by the look of or 11 or something around that uh by the look of the photos that i've seen of him and uh so wait to see just what kind of flashback scenes or growing up scenes we will see in man of steel uh now we also saw uh russell crowe and henry cavill both uh photos of them in scuba training um these were some of the most interesting photos i've seen because obviously we're all expecting to see action shots and explosion shots and shots with him in the cape and standing at the farm and by the red truck and just normal you know uh, smallville buses but 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 uh to actually see them training for some sort of scuba diving um it's odd but very interesting because that obviously says to me that there's some kind of underwater sequence yeah um, that they're actually going to be a part of, and it's not going to be completely CGI'd, and I love the sound of that. Mm, and it's interesting because you wouldn't ex- expect that there would be any scenes with Henry Cavill and Russell Crowe in the same scene because obviously Jarrell's, as you would expect, be dead uh, by the time Henry Cavill gets to, I mean, Superman gets to the age of Henry Cavill to play him. So there must be two different underwater scenes, and uh, that, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe they 
maybe they somehow connect or harken back to, to a memory of some kind. And, and, you know, who knows? It's, mm. There's so many exciting things to think about. And uh, that just that stoked me a bit because I, I like the idea of practical effects and I like the idea of the actual actors learning the stunt or the, the actual skill that needs to be learned in order to film it and, and make it believable. Yeah, now, uh, as we know, they were filming at Edwards Air Force Base uh, and uh, there were just photos released of uh, Henry posing with some of the, the staff and some of the uh, military people there. We don't know exactly what was filmed there, but they required, uh, you know, aircraft and, and, you know, the Air Force Base type of um, atmosphere and surroundings. And uh, there was a, a, a rumoured scene that came out involving Arche Trower, I think that's how you pronounce her name, the lady playing... Uh, Feora, but uh, that proved to be false because she was never even on set there. So uh, the description of her being there at the at the Air Force Base was uh, a false claim. So you just have to be careful what uh, what rumors you take out of uh, what you see on the internet. Now, is it your impression, or was it actually a part of the release that uh, these pictures were taken? Um, when we believe that filming was going on and that filming now is in fact completed or, or are they actually training right now? I mean, were those, were those current pictures of them training for something that maybe was going to be shot later? No, I think that's, they're probably photos that have been taken a while ago and have just now been posted or, uh, have just been found. I don't, uh, I, I think the principal photography is all, all done. And I know Russell Crowe is uh, is out and about in different areas. Is no longer in. I think they were shot in Vancouver. I think those uh, scuba diving photos. So and he's no longer there, as far as I understand it. So um, yeah, I think they were taken a while ago and have just now been posted online or revealed. Now, what are you? I'm surprised that uh, I didn't see any complaints. Now I haven't been uh, searching around the internet to see what other people are saying, um, but we we almost always see on the homepage somebody saying something about padding or Henry Cavill hasn't had the time to bulk up or he's a mm. tiny Superman or this or that. And uh, it seemed to have tapered off because of the photos that have been released recently where he looks jacked. Mm -hmm. um, but in those photos, I don't, it, is that early on, do you think, in the process? Because I, uh, it seemed that he was smaller or I got the impression by looking at them that, hey, maybe those people were right. He really isn't um particularly muscular i mean his arms look lean but they don't look in those uh, pictures uh the scuba diving pictures he kind of looks smaller yeah i don't know i don't know whether it's the what part like as far how far back those photos were taken uh, maybe it's just the way he's standing it's it's hard to tell but we like you said we've had seen those scenes where he filming on that green screen stage with his shirt off and a bearded scruffy look and he was very as you say jacked very pumped and i guess you know before he actually preps for a scene he probably does half a dozen or so push-ups or pull-ups and to you know get the adrenaline and the blood pumping to uh to his muscles that uh he'll be filming but uh, uh that one scene where he's well one picture sorry where he's just standing next to the scuba diving trainer or whatever uh you know his, his arm doesn't necessarily look that muscular but uh you know it, I don't. I don't know when. I don't think it's really a problem. I don't. You know. Obviously, when it, for filming, if he looks big enough, uh, he looks big enough. Exactly. That's true. No. I love those shots. Those video ones where he's like on the deck. I don't know yeah. if it's an Air Force carrier or what it is, where he's actually doing those. Directing you see people him across. Doing those pull-ups and yeah. stuff between shots, okay. and uh, you can see that his arms are, and he's clearly strong. I mean, he's doing them with ease and.
Yeah. And, and he's doing it and then going and filming right after it. So, you know, right on top of it. He's not breathing heavy. He's not, you know, it's all. Uh, so he's clearly in shape and, and mm-hmm. clearly strong. I was just kind of wondering about the timeline on those. but uh, Yeah, anyone's guess, I suppose. But uh, what did you make of this Robert Downey Jr. Uh, revelation that uh, McGee says that when they were filming or when they were uh, planning to film the uh, Superman film that he was going to be doing in the 1990s, uh, it was, uh, or actually even probably even later in, in the 2000s, uh, he had uh, cast Robert Downey Jr. to play Lex Luthor in that film, and uh, he actually was looking at Henry Cavill for Superman as well. They had just hadn't gotten that as far as casting for Superman. But uh, what did you make? What, would, what do you think that Robert Downey Jr. would be like as Lex Luthor? Well, I find it very interesting that, um, and I think uh, someone said this in the article, so before someone accuses me of stealing a joke from somebody else, uh, I do think I read it there. But the idea that uh, he could have been a different megalomaniac in a armored superpowered <laughs> suit flying around uh is is, is kind of cool but but it but but on the flip side of that um i think that if he had been cast as lex luthor there might be a good chance we wouldn't have a robert downey jr iron man that mm. uh you know would probably not necessarily been filming at the same time but but it would have put a damper on yeah it would have negated his whoever wanted to cast him as Iron Man because, it, you know, you look at somebody a different way at that time and, mm-hmm. and he's already in a superhero blockbuster movie. And uh, But, I, I mean, I, I love Robert Downey Jr. And I'm, I'm not really sure about him as Lex Luthor. I mean, I've never really thought about it before. But, yeah. uh, I, I mean, if, if anybody could pull it off, I'm, I'm sure that, that he could. Yeah, well, he has uh, that range in his acting that he could have easily... Uh, pulled it off, but uh, yeah, like you said, now that you've seen him as Iron Man and um, in a different superhero movie, it's hard to picture him playing Lex Luthor. And the same would have been the other way around, I guess. Uh, if he had, if that film had gone ahead, uh, it would have been difficult to see him in a different role. So uh, who knows? They read they read uh, Robert Redford and Clint Eastwood for <laughs> Superman back in Christopher Reeve's day. They so. did it. That would be interesting to to see all those possibilities and. Uh, Someone's probably photoshopping it right now, uh, Robert Downey Jr. without uh, without hair and without facial hair, and uh, you never know. Uh, could have been good, but it uh, it's something that we'll just have to imagine uh, without ever seeing it. So, uh, but it's an interesting revelation from yeah. uh, McG. So uh, an interesting one there. Now we mentioned Michael Bailey earlier, and uh, he took great offence to Max Landis's. Uh, Death and Return of Superman fan film, or I don't know what you want to call it, a mockumentary. Um, what did you make of it? Well, um, today I actually, um, knowing that we were going to be getting around to this, I spent most of my afternoon catching up on uh, many, many books uh, that I haven't read yet to mm-hmm. try and get me to the comics that we're going to talk about a little bit later. And uh, so I, what I wanted to do was also get to that film, if it's even available online or if I'm even able to watch it. But I ran out of time with all the reading I had to do, so I haven't actually watched it. But oh, okay. I, I did find it interesting that Michael took such um, such a heavy offense to it. I think he calmed down a little after a while. Yeah. Um, you know, he had been posting some of his thoughts, and, and they seemed to – be really wild at the beginning and then they got a little lesser and then he was like oh maybe i should have you know uh calmed down a little before i started posting but uh i think uh the thing is and and i feel i feel similar uh to michael in that it was part of our let's not say childhood because we weren't really 
children. Children, but mm. I mean, it was part of our growing up with Superman, and it was, you know, for me, it was a time, you know, the death of Superman was what got me buying the books yeah. in the first place. I mean, I had always been a Superman fan, and I, and I think my story is similar to a lot of people. You know, when that came about, and it's exactly what DC wanted when it was on the news and it was in newspapers and it was all over the place that they were going to be killing the greatest hero of, of all time. Um, they, what they wanted, just like they're trying to do with this new 52 launch, and I'm not sure how well that's holding up, but they were trying to get new readers. They were trying to get people who hadn't bought in a while. They were trying to get people who had never bought to buy comics for this major event, and it was supposed to be this great big thing. And I feel like it was, and I I loved the the whole arc, and I was touched by uh, Lois's reaction and Jimmy's reaction and Perry's reaction and just the world's reaction uh, uh, in the world of fiction and also in in real life to to the, to the idea that that Superman had been killed, and I thought that the return with the with the four imposters and and the funeral for a friend and all of that stuff was just to me was clearly long thought out and long planned it wasn't even though it was a gimmick it wasn't just something that they said ah, let's just throw this together and get people to buy books i mean they they planned it out and it was it was uh very well received and and clearly uh i think it's still the highest the highest bought mm -hmm. uh series in history so um it did very well it did what they wanted and it was also a very well told story now i go back and look at some of the artwork and i'm not as pleased with the artwork nowadays uh, of that book back then um, but 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 then when I read it and the story uh, I just thought it was great so I could see where if Michael feels like these guys are really um, putting a damper on that period of his life and that period that he was so influenced by or at least in my case that influenced me to continue buying and I really haven't missed a book since I started buying then, and I, I've been buying, and I'm, and, and I'm buying current. So, and and every week, every month, all that time since then, influenced me to keep buying. So, yep. uh, and I think that these guys, I, I didn't watch it, so I, I you know, but I, I think it seemed to me from what I was reading that they were going for sort of a tongue-in-cheek. Um, you know, not so much a a. Uh, 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 a way of saying we really love this thing, but more like, oh, you know, wasn't that a fun time? And and, and look how silly it was. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think what Michael and others took more most offense to is not necessarily that, that you know they're entitled to their opinion and you know um, they're entitled to think that you know it was a pretty silly time or or it ruined death for comic book characters or whatever the, their uh, you know accusations are. But I think. The fact that they went in with very little research. I mean, he even got the issue wrong. He said it was Action Comics 75 that Superman died, where everybody obviously knows it's Superman number 75. And so the fact that they got even that tidbit of, of research wrong kind of showed that they, this was more of a, um, a lark for them and not really, you know, it was like, well, you know, if you're going to poke fun at something, at least get your facts right, I guess is the, the mentality that a lot of the people who dislike the fan film uh, came from and um, you know they glossed over so many other areas that were um, you know uh, ne necessary for the story and um, kind of just pulled out parts that they wanted to p poke fun at and uh, you know got some big Hollywood name actors uh, to uh, to play the parts and uh, you know make a name for themselves and you know Max Landers is obviously the screenwriter behind the film Chronicle which I really enjoyed and which has done well at the box office and 
Um, he even plugs that during his Death and Return of Superman film. So uh, I guess it was just a, a pet project for him, something that he uh, wanted to rant about and uh, had the, uh, the, the following and, and uh, you know, the resources to do uh, a fan film or mockumentary or whatever you want to call it about the Death and Return of Superman. And uh, it uh, peed off a lot of people. But other people saw what he was trying to get at and uh, enjoyed it for for what it was meant. But um, yeah, it wasn't my wasn't my cup of tea. Well, now that you pointed out, and uh, this just this just goes to show that that even the most awesome among us uh, doesn't uh, do his due research or due diligence. Not only did I not watch the film, but I did not know that Max Landis was uh, involved with Chronicle. Mm. Um, which I have now seen twice, and I, wow. I felt oh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. A lot of people I've, I've heard say it's filled with cliches from beginning to end. It's this, it's that. Uh, but I thought it was a very interesting take on what would happen if these young people got some powers. And what 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 really sticks out to me now that you mentioned that uh, this Death and Return of Superman guy also did Chronicle is that when I was watching Chronicle, um, uh, I don't remember his name, but the but the guy the guy who is the cousin of the lead kid. Mm-hmm. So many of his poses, so many of his rescues, so many of the ways that he uses his powers reminded me heavily of Superman. And okay. I thought whoever made this movie was definitely going for a Superman vibe with that particular character mm-hmm. and with the way he he flew and and did certain things. And so. That leads me to believe even further than I did already, and since I haven't seen Death and Return, it may be unfair to say, but that leads me to believe that this guy has a genuine affection for the character of Superman, and he was doing a tongue-in-cheek thing that now as a grown-up, based on when he watched, when he read those comics when he was younger and how much they were when, when he was young, as opposed to when you go back and look at them now, maybe they're a little cheesy or maybe they're this or maybe they're that. But in saying that, I believe that he's heavily influenced by Superman just based on seeing Chronicle. And if you haven't seen it, check it out and let me know what you think. Yeah, so uh, there's uh, Max Landis's Death and Return of Superman fan film. Now, uh, we you mentioned reading comic books, trying to catch up on, uh, on stuff uh, for this podcast. Uh, before we get into the uh, regular Superman comic books, um, Smallville, uh, one of those... Um, you know. Somebody <laughs> save me. Yes. Sorry. Uh, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> you, you always like to break into song, I know that, and I don't want to stand in, in your way to do I that. Do, I do indeed. <laughs> and everybody knows that uh, whenever such I have a huge an opportunity Smallville fan. to talk about Smallville, <laughs> that I'm definitely going to sing me some Remy Zero. So uh, season 11, uh, obviously the... Zero point zero. That's my rating. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So this yeah, season go ahead. 11, no, no, please. Smallville comics. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. And I, I, I did a great Scott on this a few weeks ago. Um, as much as I talk about it, as much as I complain about it, I complain out of love. I complain oh. out of passion. Uh, uh, and what I mean by that is I watched every episode. I have all the seasons. Yep. I'm going to watch them again someday. I don't know when. Yep. Uh, there was a lot to love about Smallville. I liked a lot of the uh, actors who were in it. I liked a lot of the ideas. I think some of the ambition they went for was great. I just think it fell short of its mark. 
But I will be looking at the Smallville Season 11 comic. I'm looking forward to it uh, when it comes out. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where they'll go with these characters now that they're full-fledged superheroes and living in Metropolis and, and doing all the kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, even I will fall victim to the Smallville curse once again. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how this is differentiated from a regular Superman comic book story. Like, obviously, we're looking at it from Clark Kent's point of view of it being the way Clark, the continuity of, of Smallville. But it'll be interesting to see just how it's differentiated from being just any other Superman-type story. Um, well, clearly, Steve, um, there will be a lot of teenage nudity, <laughs> um, uh, high schoolers taking showers together, yep. and uh, most likely the appearance that uh, gasoline costs absolutely nothing, and anybody yep. can go from point A to point B, and within seconds be in another place, yeah. even though they don't have a job, and they can pay for it somehow. Yeah, well, they were all uh, great Smallville um, you know, uh, traditions. So we'll be. Well, you'll see all that in the comic. I oh, mean, yeah. how could they? You know, they'll go from one panel being in Metropolis to the other panel being in Smallville, and it'll only have been two minutes since they were there. Chloe, I just hung up the phone with you. How did you? Uh... <laughs> how did you get here? <laughs> exactly. Okay, in other uh, TV news, or well, TV connected news, we've got uh, DC Nation, the new block of uh, of animated uh, stuff that's uh, going on on Cartoon Network, starting March third. Um, obviously there's Young Justice which we're both big fans of uh, new episodes of that start on March 3rd at 10.30am um, and we've also got things like these little Ardman animation claymation things and something called Super Best Friends Forever starring Supergirl Batgirl and Wonder Girl I am excited about all this stuff I think the Super Best Friends Forever thing is um, more geared specifically toward younger children yeah. but uh you know, I'll take a look at it just to see the latest incarnation of Supergirl on uh, on television. Mm -hmm. And uh, my daughter, um, that that little clip that was posted um, with the claymation deals where uh, Catwoman coughs the hairball and then <laughs> Superman's talking about doo-doo. Um, <laughs> she's watched that uh, over and over and over again and mm -hmm. laughs every time. So uh, hopefully, <laughs> and, and I'm sure that this is something they're trying to accomplish, um, hopefully they reel in some new younger viewers so mm -hmm. that as time goes on, they grow into older viewers and they keep them, you know, kind of thing like me for life, you know, something yeah. that I get made fun of on a constant basis. <laughs> no, but it should be interesting. Um, obviously, here in Australia, we've got Cartoon Network, but we probably obviously won't have the same uh, schedule um, as what's going on there in America. But I'm hoping that the DC Nation stuff uh, translates over here and uh, transfers over here so that we can get to, to see it. But I'm also... Hoping, and I mentioned this on the uh, live broadcast that uh, I did with Michael Bailey on Monday the 27th uh, of February, that uh, I hope that they do collect these little short snippets, these, you know, these um, things like the claymation stuff and the, and the super friends, best friends forever. I'm guessing that they won't necessarily be scheduled at a particular time like Young Justice is going to be, but I do hope that uh, they collect them in on a DVD as a bonus feature or something like that because... Yeah, if they're just kind of uh, installed or you know, inserted in between uh, episodes of you know the major stuff going on, you, you may not know when they're on, and you may miss some of them. So I hope they do collect them all. Yeah, it would be good to see that. I mean, if if history is any indication, um, uh, we look at how hard it is now for them to find the little Superboy shorts and and uh, the Superman series from the mm. the eighties and the, you know uh, that that they really weren't. I don't really think 
a lot of times that they were thinking ahead and obviously nowadays uh, almost every movie has uh, online uh, little net videos that yeah. follow the making of and, and little episodes and, and uh, so I think I think that there's a lot more coverage nowadays so you would think you would hope that, that we'd be able to get a hold of these things in a, in a compilation type thing although uh, for years and years, Saturday morning cartoons, children's channels have had little fill-in things, mm. you know, because a kid's show maybe goes from 8.04 till 8.21, and then they have little cartoons or yep. clips or learning things in the middle, and I don't really think that they necessarily go out of their way to collect those to yeah. give them to anyone, but hopefully, since this is superhero-related and they know they can make money on it, <laughs> hopefully they will. Yeah, well, uh, we hope so, but uh, like I said... The DC Nation block starts on March 3rd on Cartoon Network, and the next The Young Justice episode is called Misplaced. It's episode 19 of season 1, and as I said, it uh, airs at 10.30am on Saturday, March 3rd. It will be repeated at the same time on Sunday, March 4th. So They're really uh, drawing that out, aren't they? Season 1? It's just kind of yeah. been going on forever. That's right. I well, love it, though. Yeah. I think it uh, debuted in November of 2010 if i'm not incorrect like yeah the, the, I think you might be right <laughs> so yeah it's a long time over a year running. now for yeah. one season Crazy. but uh, i mean it is quality animation yeah. i understand it probably takes more time than than um let's you know, say super best friends forever which is much simpler and shorter i think these yeah. are these are quality uh, full-length half-hour episodes and and uh, i think the storytelling is the best i've seen i've said this before you know, I was a big fan of Superman the Animated Series, and I only wish that there would be a Superman uh, animated show with this kind of attention to detail, this kind of writing, this kind of character development. Um, it really is. I mean, there's action, but it's really a character-driven show, and uh, I think it's just really well done. I can't say enough about it. And uh, speaking of that, I'm I'm excited about the um, the Young Justice video game yeah. that's uh, going to be coming out because I like the show so much. You know, I've heard some complaints that Little Orbit hasn't uh, really established themselves in the action game genre, and they wish that um, somebody else had been doing it. But uh, you know, I'm looking forward to checking it out because anything I can get my hands on, uh, that, you know, I get excited about. Yeah, well, uh, that uh, game called Young Justice Legacy uh, is set for a first quarter 2013 release. And as you mentioned, it's uh, by game publisher Little Orbit. And uh, from the description that was released, it says, uh, in Leg Young Legacy... Start again. In Young Justice Legacy, fans can look forward to an ongoing story... On, sorry, to an original storyline set in between seasons one and two of the television series, written in collaboration with show writers Greg Weissman and Brandon Vietti. The game is packed with fan-favourite playable characters, cameo appearances by popular Justice League heroes and villains, and includes online multiplayer as well as local multiplayer modes, which sounds very exciting. And uh, in there, it kind of, it kind of gets skipped by the fact that there will be a Season 2. It says it's going to be uh, in between Season 1 and 2, so that's uh, good news that we've got confirmation of a second season. Well, I figure if it's if it's set for a 2013 first quarter release, and we'll probably be around episode three or so uh, <laughs> after one or two more breaks between seasons, and then between episodes within a season, because that seems to be the way they do it. So, yeah, well, if uh, you think we're up to episode 19 as of March 3rd, uh, and it's probably 26 is usually 26 is a good number for a first season. Um, <laughs> doesn't mean doesn't. It doesn't bode very well for just how many episodes we're going to get between now and the beginning 
of uh, the first no, quarter no. of 2013. <laughs> they'll, you know, there'll be like four more on, and we'll be up to 23, and then there'll be another three-month break, and then we'll have the other three, and then there'll be a three-month break, and you'll have two from the next season, and uh, that's the way they seem to go, but they are quality when you do finally get to them. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, well, let's move into talking about comic books. Um, you were saying earlier that uh, you had uh, caught up on your reading um, for you, the comic books, and uh, first off Good. was Action Comics number six, which was, uh, uh, you know, exciting. seems like a while ago now, but it was the beginning of February, uh, February 1st it was released, and uh, what did you make of this... Uh, well, this anti-Superman army uh, meeting within Superman's brain. Um, a bit, uh, very Grant Morrison. Yeah, well, I had read four, Action 4, um, right around when it came out months and months ago, and mm. this is the first I've gotten back to it. So yesterday I read five, uh, which was the retelling of the origin. And yeah. I just wanted to mention, I think it's kind of funny that they themselves kind of buy into the fact that it's been too many times in 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 two short years um because right on the cover of number five it says it begins again almost <laughs> as if they're sighing themselves uh but i did enjoy the story but i mean i enjoyed it just as much as it's pretty it's pretty basically the same story we've seen over and over again but mm -hmm. again if you have younger readers that are just picking it up they need to see it too so yeah. it was interesting and then you kind of and that already moved away from the actual story arc that's going on they keep calling the collector i assume it's brainiac uh but now we're away from that and i don't know if it's because they they got behind and they were unable to keep up and these are just filler stories or or, or what the plan is but of course uh, five was a filler story a good story it was fine and then six we're now on to something completely different and we're seeing the new costume and we're seeing the legion of superheroes and we're seeing time travel and the story i mean if we're talking about collecting new younger viewers i i gotta believe that this story is not the way to do it because I'm not a younger viewer, reader. I said viewer, whatever. But I and and I I had trouble even following what the hell was going on. Mm. I, I, you know, I I I mean I get it. I'm not I'm not an idiot. But I mean it was just I I didn't know who we were talking to. I didn't know where we were. I didn't know what group was doing what. Uh, and it started at the end of five. I was like, well, I thought they were bad guys, but now they appear to be Superman with the Legion of Superheroes. So it was. I just thought it was told from a very confusing viewpoint in yeah. many different ways you know at one point we're seeing the viewpoint of, of the, the anti-superman army and then at one point we're seeing the viewpoint from the legion of superheroes and and it and it, it was just odd i didn't mind the kryptonite poisoning in the brain the the uh, you know it was kind of a cool little thing but uh the way the story was told and where we're at in terms of uh uh, starting off uh, Superman's brand new career um, in action comics and seeing him in the T-shirt and all, uh, whether you complain about that uh, that outfit or not, we were supposed to be being told his beginnings and how things happen now. And this is kind of just out of nowhere. I don't know who these other creatures are he's talking about. When this person put the thing in his head, we didn't see that story. So a lot of stuff was just kind of thrown in um, and we've never met half these people before, and we don't know why it's happening or why it's right in the middle of another story we're trying to read. I think it was Michael Bailey who reviewed it, and uh, he kind of was saying this a similar thing. And, mm -hmm. and, and it kind of – I believe it hurts the original story arc they were trying to put together by 
uh, departing from it so quickly and not really even giving an explanation of, as to who we're meeting or what's going on, just kind of throwing us in the middle of an adventure that is seemingly already taking place, as the Legion and Superman mentioned many times, other enemies that they've been in the middle of fighting and how they've started these problems and, and, and now they're trying to finish them. But mm. uh, it just seemed to come out of left field for me. Yeah, they kind of put the cart before the horse with uh, telling stories about stories that we actually haven't seen yet and... And that's obviously the bit of a trap with time travel things, and and yeah, putting. I don't mind this. I mean, I love time travel stories, but putting this at issue number six, which is you know fairly early uh, in the in the story that's trying to be tell, told, and especially with new readers coming on board, it kind of seems ill placed, uh, and um, we'll just have to wait and see. You know if those kinds of things that we're questioning are actually explained in future issues and uh, hopefully well, people idea. stick around. You know, unless, unless, and some people cry BS right in the beginning when, when uh, the guys got up there and, and said, oh, well, the reason we're doing this is to make our stories more accessible to mm. people who haven't been around for 20 years reading them. This This almost seems to slap that right in the face and say, uh, but if you've never heard of these other characters and you don't know uh, anything about the Legion of Superheroes and you don't know anything about these enemies we're talking about, too bad for you because this is a story for people who do. And and that kind of seems to um, uh, cry foul to what they were saying at the beginning, yeah. which then just confuses me even more. Okay, before we jump to Superman number six, which is obviously the most recent comic book published uh, at the time of we're public, uh, reading sorry, recording this uh, podcast. Uh, in between there, we had Superboy number six and Supergirl number six, which tie into each other and then into the Superman number six. So uh, we should discuss them in the, in that order. Um, Superboy number six, obviously we see Superboy up against the Teen Titans and pretty much laying waste to, to the team. Well, they were already out because of the, the, uh, the Teen Titans book where he actually does, I guess... Uh, meet them and defeat them because um in in the beginning of superboy six they're all just kind of laying there already down yeah and uh i i read that because i was um, doing my my preparation for this show um and i don't even have my uh teen titans books and i'm also still not sure if i'm going to keep going with that but i definitely want to see all the connecting pieces of this story mm -hmm. um for me and, and i've heard a lot of negative comments uh, about superboy on an ongoing basis um uh, this was the best story, uh, the best uh, Superboy of the six so far for me, which I think is contrary to most people's opinion. But um, I just found it, uh, finally, I found um, a Connor that I recognized. Um, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure how we went from laying slaughter to the Teen Titans to a guy who seems to feel guilty and have a conscience and, 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 and mm. know that he did things wrong and and uh, now is is finally uh, fed up with nowhere, and and is is going to let them know that that this can't stand, and 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 uh, it's over now. And I like the idea that it it it, it comes from a position of um, uh, him just knowing on his own that that these guys are wrong, and and that the Teen Titans were a mistake, and and he shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Now, what did you make of Superboy meeting Supergirl uh, in Supergirl number six? Well, here's the thing with Supergirl. You know, I think that the character development is coming well. I mean, it makes sense that she would be um, completely disoriented and, and not understand what the deal is. But uh, she actually makes a um, 
a statement. It might even be in, in Superman 6, but uh, she says something like, why does everybody keep attacking me every time I meet anyone? <laughs> what, what, what is it with this planet? And uh, I got to say that whoever wrote that he clearly wasn't paying attention because in every single instance, she <laughs> attacks yeah. them. Yeah. She swings at them right in the middle of whatever they're saying, and uh, she's kind of a, well, I'm going to hit you now, and I'll figure out what's going who on. we really are later. And, and uh, I've heard Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Bridges, who reviews the Supergirl, and I've heard other people kind of say, you know, action is good, but if, if it's the same thing in every episode of this book where she meets someone and then decides to attack them, um, it kind of gets a little old. Yeah. Yeah, I was... Uh, uh, it's it's good to see these characters meet each other. I was I'm interested to see the super family of characters come together. And um, it was interesting, a bit contrived, but interesting the way that Superboy gets his Connell name that uh, means uh, abomination of the House of L. Um so you know, if that was me, I wouldn't want to stick with that name. But obviously, that's where it's where it's headed. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, if that's what she was saying, again, I was, and I don't know, maybe I'm not as astute as I think I am. But I, I was confused at that point in the story as well because it it, it just seemed like he, she read his name from his mind, or he, I don't know if he said it out loud, but then she punched him, screaming it. Um, so I don't know if that actually means that or if yeah. she knows something about someone named Connell who was an abomination or if she knows more about this whole situation than she appears to. Well, I so I don't know if that's an actual definition or if that's just something that she's calling him because she found out he was a clone. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, what I read it and the way uh, other people have explained it to me as well was that once they, when they made a connection, his powers somehow enabled him to see her memories or learn her memories about um what you know the whole clone saga or clone wars for lack of a better term that took place on krypton uh, at a time in its history where um the clones you know there was like a, a, a uprising and um and therefore cloning was banned on krypton after that and um when she found out that he was a clone she called him the kryptonian version of what is pretty much translates to an abomination and because he's a, from the house of l wearing the s and that she called him an abomination of the house of l which translates to con l so that's what i took from from that sequence and um and he also learned to be able to speak kryptonian at the time that uh, they touched so uh, obviously his powers allow him to absorb memories and, and knowledge from people which is an interesting take on on his powers as well it is interesting, and I'm, I'm, I'm not against that, but uh, again, as with um, uh, Action Comics number six, I, I gotta say here that they're assuming an awful lot of the reader, uh, considering that they were supposedly uh, going from a jumping off point and, and trying to make it more accessible. We haven't seen the history of Krypton, we don't know anything about clones or what might have happened. Uh, um, that you know, new readers don't recognize that Connell is a uh, connection to what his name was previously, and uh, and and old readers like myself uh, just—I mean, I got confused. Mm -hmm. I, I think I understood by the time I was done, but it it was a less enjoyable read for me because I was I was um, confused. Sure, fair enough. But then uh, we move into Superman number six, 
where um, we get... Uh, well, I, f- I thought it was a pretty satisfying conclusion to uh, Perez's uh, you know, six-issue arc that uh, obviously is his initial run uh, and maybe only run on the series. Uh, and it was kind of like... Uh, you know, a little bit. I wasn't too crash hot on these uh, little miniature nano nanite things that are some kind of creatures, but it made sense for you know all the different you know the three different versions of these entities that we've seen attacking Metropolis. You know, over the last five issues or so, with the the cold and the the heat and and what have you. And then um, I f- I found that the it was enjoyable in that it was a really a, a real. Superman to the rescue moment when he did fly back in to save the day and uh, the people of Metropolis realised that, you know, they um, they really do have uh, a true hero in Superman and that, uh, you know, people who had been talking against him uh, came to their senses and realised, hey, you know what, uh, maybe we're wrong about this guy. Well, here's my, my, my problem with it. And, and while at parts I found the story enjoyable and, and as you mentioned, his, his coming to the rescue moments and, and things of that nature were great. Um, again, we are in the first arc. We're supposed to be being introduced to this character. And I understand because they don't want to cover his entire time first arriving and, and getting to be known. And we're seeing that in action or we're supposed to be, even though they're out of that now, too. Um, we're already into a story arc where a brand new hero, okay, five years into his career, is being questioned again as to who he is, is being, you know, there's imposters coming down and then trying to um, convince Metropolis that Superman's a bad guy. And we're seeing a major storyline where he's being taken over, he was somehow transported into space. There are people pretending to be Superman. There are these nanites. There's there's fire, invisibility. There's ice. Uh, every major power in the first arc, we see him go against. I have the same problem with the action arc, and that is that Brainiac seems to be the most powerful foe that anybody could face. Um, you know, with the exception of maybe Darkseid, and they're covering that in, in Justice League in the very first arc. Where do you go when you already are giving us? the biggest thing we've ever seen and and so and with this not that these three goofballs with fire and ice are the biggest thing we've ever seen but the idea that they're connected to krypton they somehow know the language they're trying to take over they're trying to purge the earth and now uh and i and i also think that if that did happen just like in the dominus arc from many many years ago those of you who remember it it would create such doubt in the minds of people even even though some people were present to see you actually come to the rescue and some people will watch the news, but even when you watch the news in real life, you don't know what to believe. You don't know who's really on your side. And I think that you'd have another situation where half the populace doubts you and half the populace knows it wasn't really you and you'd have to regain their trust again. Yeah. And we've seen this many, many times. It's not new it's not, wow, look at this. This is exciting. This is something they've never done before. There have been imposters before. There have been reasons to call Superman's loyalty to the Earth into doubt. And we all know as fans that it never comes down to him really being disloyal, but it's a matter of somebody making him look that way or someone controlling his mind. Or, mm-hmm. And I just think it's too early. Uh, we haven't even seen a Superman in either of the books that anybody trusts yet. We, I yeah. mean – 
That's Supposedly true. he's been around five years and he's been a hero. And so we know that he's had some battles. He even mentioned some of them. And that's getting annoying because we haven't seen those battles. And it, it almost seems like, OK, new readers, we're going to tell you about battles that never happened. So if you're a new reader, it almost makes it seem like you miss something anyway, even yeah. though the whole point was to not make you miss something. And so it's very uh, I find it very frustrating. Yeah. And I also think um a lot of people are lauding the fact that that uh, there's a lot of story in Superman. There's a lot of meat to it. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of people. I think it's too much. I think it, it takes me forever to read a Superman now, which is good in some levels. Um, but, you know, I feel like a lot of times I'm reading a novel, which I do, but, you know, not necessarily when I'm looking at a comic book. Yeah. Um, and I'm not complaining about story. I want story and I like development and I like depth. It just seems like it's very, very wordy and every panel, half of it is covered with dialogue. I, you know, I just don't. I, I'm not sure that I'm enjoying it yet. Fair enough, and it'll be interesting to see how Dan Jurgens comes on board and uh, how he'll, uh, which direction he'll take uh, Superman. In Love the way. artwork. Yeah, yeah. I'm big on the artwork. Well, actually, on all of them except Superboy, and that's starting to grow on me a little bit too. Yeah. So uh, we'll wait and see just what happens with Superman uh, now that we've got a bit of a new creative team taking over there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, whether or not we do get some, especially in action comics, some filling of those stories that they keep alluding to uh, that have happened, but uh, that we're not seeing, especially things with like the the was it Titano, the 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 monkey, the ape, the monkey, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's funny. Uh, <laughs> something else that they're, my man, I don't know if they're giving it fan service and they're they're kind of making the the old fanboys go, aha, Titano, that's funny. It's not funny because we're we're you know we're not seeing this person or this individual. And, and new readers don't know who it is, and old readers know, but only know from the old standpoint. Yeah. When did it happen here? What is its significance? Uh, and I, I still, I got to mention again, I, just as I'm sitting here, making myself laugh, thinking about if I, if I walked up to a bunch of new people I'd never met before and slapped them all in the face, and then I went to my mom or to you or my friend or something, and then and I and I said, why does everyone attack me as soon as I walk into a room? It just, <laughs> I, it's just funny. <laughs> Uh, we also, it's also interesting, you know, you know this, they're calling him the collector of worlds. We, and we know it's Brainiac, but again, it's only because we know, you know, previous continuity. So I wonder what new readers think of this worm-like creature. Well, it's, I, I think it's, that's one thing I think they're handling well, you know, after the fact that I think they're hitting Brainiac too early. But, I mean, uh, calling him the collector of worlds and clearly making him um, ultra-powerful and, and ultra-dangerous um, is a nice, uh, dramatic way to show that, you know, for people who complain that Superman's too powerful or that nothing can stop him or that there's no threat, uh, clearly uh, Brainiac is a threat. Mm -hmm. And if he's destroyed worlds and collected whole cities and taken them away, no matter what the technology and no matter what kind of defenses they've had, um, we know that, that, that this being, this individual, can cause some trouble for him. And I, I think that uh, seeing seeing it on such a large scale for new readers, they can see that there is a danger here. And, you know, it, it is interesting. Yeah, and talking about dangerous characters, uh, Superman, Mr. Potato Head. Oh, <laughs> did you like cross. that segue? I, it was, that was something. It was, you know, I, well, this is why I know you're a professional. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, we're talking about the merchandisers coming out and uh, uh, from the um, Toy Fair uh, that was recently on display. 
uh, in the last couple of months or last month, uh, it was uh, they revealed that there's a Mr. Potato Head uh, for Superman, there's a Batman, there's a Wonder Woman, and other characters and villains will be uh, coming out in the near future. Yeah, it's uh, you know I keep seeing these things and. Um... You know, my desk is overrun with statues <laughs> and, uh, you know, toys and things that are related to Superman or another hero in one way or another, mostly Superman. And then I say, OK, well, you know, they got the whole set of Justice League maquettes. You know, maybe I should get them all and then I can have them all in one area. And I just go, I don't have room. I don't have money. I don't have time. You know, and then you hear these these potato heads and you go, well, I could put Superman in the middle and I could have Batman on this side and Wonder Woman. And then I could spread them out and I'd have the whole Justice League. And um, I, where am I going to put them? I, don't, I, I got nowhere to put anything. <laughs> Join the club. Oh, it's crazy. But uh... on top of that, I got these JL tots from Sonic <laughs> Drive-In all over my desk now, uh, and now like I got the four. I got the four Superman-related ones. Oh, I got did. Bizarro, Clark Kent, Supergirl, and Superman, and I have them all on my desk here. And, and they're funny. They're cute. My kids laugh at them. My wife thought they were hilarious. Uh, they're goofy looking. They're they're like yellow. They look like tater tots, but they have painted costumes on yeah. them and. You know, Bizarro's like white and he's a different color than everybody else. And, you know, and then I'm like, well, maybe I should go back and get the other six or five or however many there are so I can complete the collection. And then I'm getting into overrunning my desk again and it's just too <laughs> much stuff. But uh, the tater tots are quite cool. Uh, when I saw that they had them, I had to make a special trip out to get them, which just scares me. It, it makes me <laughs> afraid for my future. So uh, I've never, I'd never heard of Sonic driving uh, before. Um, what kind of, did you have to buy the food, to, the, the wacky meal or whatever it's called, to get the toy? Well, I thought that I did. So right. the first day that I went, I actually, you know, and, and here I am, you know, I'm, 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 you know, maybe I'm 20-something, maybe I'm 30-something, you know, who knows? <laughs> maybe I'm in my 40s. I'm, I drive up to the drive-thru and I say, and I don't have any kids with me, you know, it's, uh, it's 1030 at night or whatever. They're just about to close. I say, well, it looks like the light's on. I'm going to go up there and see if I can uh, get my hands on some Superman tater tot characters. And I go to the thing and I say, listen, um, I want to buy a kid's meal, but I only want to buy it if I can get uh, a specifically Superman-related um, tot that you have. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I already kind of feel like a jerk. You know, I'm like, <laughs> You're already oh, blushing. well, you know. I say, well, which ones do you, you know, because a lot of times at McDonald's or whatever, they yeah. have a series and it's one each week or yeah. it's, there's a, you know, so she tells me, well, it depends on which box I open, you know, the boxes are combined. They have several in them, but not all. So I'll open a box for you. Okay. She opens a box and so which ones do you want? And then she's in the window and she's trying, she's looking at it and she's measuring up to a poster on the wall and she's trying to figure out which one she has. And she goes, uh, these are the two I have. And she hands them to me. Uh, she can't figure it out. So it turns out that they had Supergirl and they had Aquaman. So I took Supergirl. Yeah. Then the next time I went back, I told them that I needed Bizarro, Clark Kent, or Superman and that I would buy the meal to get it. And she comes back and says, I have all three. So I say, oh, okay. So it turns out now that I can buy the three. They're a dollar each. Wow. So, But I bought a meal. And then they go, did you want the other two? For And I go, well, how much the other two? And it was four-something for the meal, and it was six-something if I got all. So I, I ended up getting a long story to tell you that, yes, <laughs> you can I buy was them able separately. to buy them without buying the meal. Now, here's where 
I got a little bit annoyed. With the second one that came in the meal, the time that I was buying the other two in addition, I had a little pack of cards. And at that time, I remembered reading the story on the site where it said it comes with a collectible pack of cards. With Supergirl, the first time I bought the meal, I did not get a pack of cards. Mm. And with the two extra ones that I bought, I did not get a pack of cards. So I have four of these, and I only got one pack of the cards. So, uh, you know, I'm a little annoyed at Sonic. Yeah, big time. And yeah. obviously, they don't realize how collectible these things are and how uh, you know, adamant we are as collectors that we get the, uh, the everything we're entitled to. God, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> so was the meal? Was was it, did you eat the meal? I did. I got a, um, a chicken fingers. They're, 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 it comes with two chicken fingers, a chocolate milk, and they have sweet tots, which are sweet potato tater tots. Wow. And uh, I never had them before, and I got to tell you, they are delicious. <laughs> so you'll be back. They are crunchy. They're crispy. They got the nice sweet potato inside. Very, very good. So Radio KL brought to you by Sonic Drive-Ins. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sonic, you know, uh, come on, place to go for tots. We we and want they're some, good tots, man. Uh, we want some kickbacks from Sonic for uh, promote for doing like a ten-minute spiel on on their whole you know uh, range of uh, products and what their meals are like. We just did a review and we're not getting anything in return. We're not getting anything at all, and my address, I will, you know, I'll send it to you. You just, you know, you, with Sonic, can you let me know? Because they got, that, I had some good food. I went to Florida once. The first time I ever went to a Sonic, we drove to Florida from where we live in Pennsylvania. It's about a 16-hour drive or wow. so, and uh, we stopped at to- Sonic, and it's a thing where you, you it was nice out. You sit outside, and, and they, they come out on roller skates, and they serve mm. you the food. You mm-hmm. order it through a screen, kind of like a drive through Very but, 50s. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's real cool, and you can eat outside, and, you know, uh, Chloe was like two at that time, so we were outside, she was looking at butterflies, and we were eating, and it's kind of a whole nice setup, and now, nice. you know, I haven't been there, they just opened this one about a year and a half or two years ago, and I've never gone, I keep saying, I gotta go, and of course, uh, the superhero Tots uh, drew me out of my cave. Very good, well, there you go, so uh, there's an in- uh, a ringing endorsement from Scotty V. Uh, now, before we move on to the big question segment of the show... Uh, which we've got quite a few responses to uh, this month. I just wanted to mention the uh, the live broadcast that I do with Michael Bailey on a Monday night at 8.30pm Pacific Standard Time. We've got a couple of special guests uh, coming on the show. March 5th, we've got Rick Bowers, who uh, is the author of a book called Superman vs. the Ku Klux Klan, uh, which looks at the uh, 1940s Superman radio series and the clash they had with the KKK uh, and a bit of the rumour and... Um, and uh, I think myths going around about just how in uh, the Superman show was, you know, giving out su- su- supposedly secret code words for the from the KKK, uh, and how that's actually turned out not to be true, but that they did uh, clash heads uh, with the KKK during the uh, story that was called uh, the Clan of the Fiery Cross, which was obviously a dig at uh, you know racism and and what the KKK was doing. Uh, so we look forward to having Rick Bowers on the show then. And later in March, uh, March 19th, we have Jeff Trexler, who is a, uh, an expert uh, on the uh, copyright battle going on you know, over the Superman uh, legal battle. And we look forward to talking to him and getting some answers to uh, a lot of the questions that fans have about just you know, what's going on with the Superman legal battle, what's, uh, what the likely outcome is, what it means for Superman fans and what it means for Superman in general. So look forward to those two special guests in March. 
That's right, on Radio Cal Live, 1130 Eastern Standard Time, every Monday with Steve Eunice and Michael Bailey. Nice. You're just doing all the ads tonight, uh, Sonic, uh, well, you know, Radio KL Live. That's what I do. Hey, yeah, if Radio KAL has any tots or uh, chicken fingers <laughs> or anything they want to send me, I'll give you my address after the program. No problem. Let's start with the big question. All right, let's move into the big question segment of the show. Oh, boy. Last month's question, and it was a doozy. Should the John Williams Superman theme be used in Man of Steel? Yeah, it was uh, obviously a hot topic, and uh, we mm-hmm. got our first responses from uh, Calvin Bowes, our uh, good and faithful listener. And Calvin says... Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. That, like, just let me know when you're finished. <laughs> you know, I have that on my alarm. I just started driving bus, and I rarely use my morning alarm, and I have the Superman theme that plays, so at least that's something nice to wake up to. Nice. Yeah, I have it as my ringtone on my phone, so I hear it all day. Beautiful. So in answer to the question, Calvin says, yes, they should use the John Williams theme in Man of Steel. Not hearing it today would be like watching a 007 film without the 007 theme. Uh, if you do decide to make a new theme, there is one rule that you must be upheld. Uh, you will find it in the most successful Superman radio, TV, movie, and cartoon themes. Sometimes within the music, you should be able to, in the way in the way the music is presented, hear the word Superman somewhere in the music. If not, they have failed. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm really not sure if, if, if this was a purposeful act by the people who have written Superman themes or not. But uh, if you if you go back and sing them in your head as I just was, you will find that spot where you can say the word Superman. And usually it's at the explosive moment in the song, the most dramatic moment in the song, mm. uh, when uh, during the uh, movie, I think the uh, the actual S appears on screen. Yep. And you can actually you can you can swell with the music and say the word Superman. Um, Star Lebeau's wrote, uh, what do I think the music should be? The music from the other Superman films. The music is so cool, and that's what plays when I start my computer. A Superman movie without that cool music is just dumb. I like being able to sit in the theater or at home and hum that music with the film. Remember, guys, this will be the first Superman movie I see on screen. Let me have that music to hum. Yeah, uh, that's uh, Stala's uh, question. Uh, sorry, response to uh, to the big question, and... Uh... Stella will be happy to know that, uh, even though I haven't written it in the script, um, that uh, Scotty will be uh, using uh, Stella's uh, question that she asked uh, us to use for the new big question. So, um, Scotty, just uh, disregard what I've written in there. We will use Stella's question. So I was a big Superman and Supergirl fan, and uh, she's been she's been asking for months. So we're finally going to get around to it. We're yeah. sorry. <laughs> Next up was Budre Bully, who wrote the John Williams theme. In my opinion, is not only the quintessential Superman theme, but also the quintessential superhero theme. That being said, I believe they should go for something different for Man of Steel. The Donna films is uh, is truly a classic, but it's time to move on. I can see that opinion as well. Yep. Um, it is. I mean, when you think about the Superman theme, maybe Indiana Jones, maybe Star Wars, these are theme songs that live with you long after you've seen the movie. And every time you hear them, you know exactly what you're what you're uh, talking about. And uh, I think that the new superhero movies of the last 10 or 15 years don't have that. And I don't know if it's because they don't have a composer that does a, a theme like that. Or, you know, if they're really trying to be more, 
I don't know what it is artistic with the themes as far as making them memorable, but uh, you know that's something we've gotten away from a little. So well, I personally would well, like you to just, see. Uh, yeah, you just mentioned John Williams. Uh, all three movies, Star Wars, you know, Indiana Jones and Superman, they're all John Williams themes. So yeah, it's uh, maybe um, there's something there. There definitely is. Uh, Chris G. wrote, I would like them to at least use the John Williams theme. They don't need to use the other music, such as the love theme, etc. I don't think there is anyone that doesn't think of Superman when they hear those notes. The Superman theme is iconic, like the Star Wars theme. Yeah, well, Chris obviously agrees there. So, uh, John, I'm not sure if it's John Williams, but uh, he just says, John, (laughs) (laughs) says, no, I don't think they should use the John Williams Superman theme for the new movie. I think there has to be a break from the old movie. As much as I love the theme song, it's part of old movies. If they're truly going to make this movie stand alone and brand new, uh, and a brand new Superman, they need to they need a new theme song. Just like Batman Beyond changed their theme song from Batman the Animated Series theme, series theme song uh, to, uh, to break from the original series, or Batman and Batman Begins. Bottom line, there has to be a break from old to the new, so no more John Williams Superman theme. Argent L. wrote, Hi, Steve and G.S. I adore the John Williams theme, but there are so many versions already out there, including the John Ottman version, that something completely different wouldn't be a bad thing. Some echoes or callbacks would be nice if they make sense. Or they could get Prince to do the theme. (laughs) LOL, he says. As long as it sounds super, it will be all right. On another small note, not that you would have any way of knowing, I'm not a guy. Maybe I should change my name to Argent Ella, LOL. Cheers. Hey, that's right. I mean, I think that I uh, just said personally <laughs> have referred to um, this person as a he, and I apologize. I must have done it before. Um, but yeah, Argent L, um, for some reason, uh, I, I did assume you were a guy, and I will no longer make that mistake. There you go. Now, uh, Lee Thomas from Wales in the UK writes, I think the John Williams theme should be used in the new Man of Steel movie, but it needs to be modernized a little. Most superheroes are not defined by their theme music. For example, Batman's music from the Tim Burton days was great, but now forgotten against the Hans Zimmer version. However, if I played you the Jaws theme from John Williams, you would think shark immediately. The music gives an emotional response. 50% nostalgia and 50% new twist will give us a familiar feel. Yep. This so, is this is definitely uh, true. What he is saying, and, mm. and it's what I was mentioning before. I mean, they're so connected to the characters that they're representing that that it's hard to get away from that. Yeah. I will disagree though that that the Tim Burton music was forgotten because for me again that's a theme song I can hum from almost beginning to end and with the new movies and Hans Zimmer I don't find that there's a theme at all. I mean mm. there's dramatic music playing but I don't really feel that there's a Batman theme per yeah. se. Fair enough. Mikey B sent his thoughts in as an MP3 file, so let's listen now to what Mikey had to say. Hey, Steve and Scotty, it's Mikey B. Um, I think with the Williams music, uh, you can't use it. I think when I hear it outside of the Christopher Reeve movies, it just takes me out of the whatever I'm watching. As much as I enjoy hearing it and it gets me pumped up, whether it's in the Christopher Reeve movies or it's in Superman Returns or Smallville or wherever else they're playing it, I mean, yeah, I get pumped up, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but at the same time, though, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. It takes me out of the, the what I'm watching. So I and I, I think that it, you just need a we need a fresh start, a whole new soundtrack, and just something new. We got it's a new Superman. It's a it's a new generation uh, for a new generation. So you know I think we just need to do something, uh, you know, 
completely different. So no, I hope they don't use it, but it's not that I don't like it. I just think that it's time for something new. All right, guys. Uh, you guys are awesome. Super. Take care. Oh, thank you, Mikey, and appreciate your thoughts there. And it's always great to hear an MP3 response. So uh, let's you know, see if we can get more of those. Uh, next up, we have Hector, who writes, "Keep uh, Yes, they should play the music. Without it, the movie would not be Superman. Keep up the great work. Uh, short but sweet. Yes, Guthrie McLean wrote, Hey, Stephen Scott, this is Guthrie McLean in Hong Kong. I just wanted to say that as for John Williams, I think that issue remains critical. I personally love the John Williams music. It's classic. However, I think hiring a new composer could be a risk. One being that the music could not be as good as Williams, and two, even if it could be a good score, it may not be memorable. Personally, I think it's very important for Superman to have a memorable score because it's Superman. It needs to sound better than Danny Elfman's Spider-Man. It can't be mediocre like Hellboy, which was a good film but didn't have a memorable score. For most movies, I think story always comes first, but for Superman, I think having a good score is also important. I can't state why or just keep John Williams' music. Yep. Fair enough there. Uh, seems that we've kind of uh, uh, got a mixed bag. You know, a lot of people want to keep it. Other people say, you know, maybe re- uh, you know, refer to it, you know, have a little bit of a, uh, an influence there. And other people are saying, no, don't use it at all. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what they do uh, end up doing. But uh, whichever way they go, they're going to have some people who are going to be upset one way or another. That's true. I think I can understand a clean break because it definitely um, it brings on memories of Christopher Reeve. Yeah. It brings on memories of that feeling of that movie, of that style and, and, and being that we're supposed to be going for a completely different thing, maybe a little darker, a little more serious, a little more dramatic and less, uh, I don't know, goofy, for lack of a better word. It may be that the music um, just won't work for this, this take. Yeah, now, what was Starla's question for the new big question? Starla was wondering what yours, mine, and everybody else's favorite uh, version of the Superman story on television has been. And uh, I would say this can probably be animated. It can be live action. Um, uh, So, yeah, just, you know, it could be the 50s show. It could be Lois and Clark. It could be Smallville. It could be the cartoons. Um, So, yeah, what what is your favorite Superman uh, story that's been told on television? Yep, get involved with this new big question, and uh, you can do that by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage, and you can also send in an MP3 audio file, um, and uh, Scotty and I will uh, read out the the text responses that we receive, or play any MP3 responses we receive in the next big question segment of Radio KAL. There's a long road ahead. I feel like crap. Like a lot of crap. Yeah, that seems about right. Ain't nobody said you had to face it alone, though. An old spark returns. So you're going to write the article based on what little you've got, then? I think I'm going to need to do a little investigative journalism first. Yeah, well, I don't want to be called down to the police station to bail you out at 2 a.m. I need my beauty sleep. And lots of it. And a secret is revealed. You're... you're worried, aren't you? I always worry. Innocent lives are in danger, we... It's more than that. Zodom Brainiac, you're... Scared. I'm scared, Car. It's all uphill from here. In Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 86, 
on February 29th, 2012, only at PendantAudio.com. Plots are laid. That hero guy sure is taking his time. I guess he doesn't have a swanky ride like Batman. Signals are tracked. Looks like it came from that direction. Let's go. And Metallo encounters a new foe. Look out! Don't miss Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 58, coming February 29th at PendantAudio.com. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Okay, the super secret soundbite. Last month's sound came from the pilot episode of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Fifteen people guessed it correctly. Uh, who were they, Steve? Uh, well, they were Jeremy Crawford, uh, David Riley, Nelda Mormon, Tommy Nyman, Chris G. Brandon, uh, sorry, Chris G., Brandon Whitmore, Matthew Apps, Brian Pride, Arjun L., Nick Faircloth, Ismail Perez, Lynn S. M., Nicholas Marinich, uh, Jessica P., and Brian Rosen. So uh, well done to those 15 people. That's uh, probably one of the largest groups of uh, correct guesses we've received uh, for quite a while now. So uh, let's see if those 15 people and more can guess where in the world of Superman this new sound comes from. Say goodnight, Ace. Well, if you think you know where that sound comes from, where in the world of Superman it's, uh, it's been taken from, uh, send your entry in, click on the Super Secret Soundbite entry form, and send your entry in, and uh, every person who guesses it correctly will have their name read out in the next Radio KAL podcast. Uh, this month's Superman song comes from uh, Todd uh, McEachran, who celebrated a birthday recently and requested that we play I Believe in You by Don Williams. Yes, uh, Todd, uh, we wish you a very happy birthday for whenever it was. I think it was only not that long ago. Um, Any happy returns? Yes, I'm not sure if his surname is pronounced McCurchin or McCurchin, as you you tried to pronounce it. Uh, but uh, that's right. I guess I said Todd McEachran, but that doesn't look right. McCurchin, <laughs> McCurchin, Mc, Mc. I'm sure he'll tell us next. Yeah, month. exactly. Now, if you do want to uh, check out Don Williams, you can uh, see his official website at don-williams.com, uh, don-williams.com, and uh, here he is his song "I Believe in You," which does mention Superman. Here we go. of gold, the certainty of growing old, that right is right and left is wrong, that north and south can't get along, that east is east and west is west, and being first is always best, but I believe in love, I believe in babies, 
is black and white is white that superman and robin hood are still alive in hollywood that gasoline's in short supply the rising cost of getting by but i believe in love i believe in old folks i believe in children I believe in you I believe in love I believe in babies I believe in mom and dad and I Don Williams, I Believe in You, uh, as requested by Todd McCurchin. Now, um, that's the show for another month. And uh, remember, if there's a topic you think Scotty and I should discuss in a future podcast, maybe there's a song you'd like to request, uh, maybe there's a big question uh, question you'd like us to pose to the fans, or uh, you know any other suggestions for, uh, for the show, you can contact me at steve at supermanhomepage.com or you can email Scotty via scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we will endeavour to use those suggestions in a future show. But as for this month's show, it's all done. Thanks, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. And remember, everybody, you're never too old to look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com. <laughs>